Okay, uh, I want to introduce myself again for the second session only because I wasn't on this recording device to begin with. Um, my name is Tony Souter with the, the Pray For Me campaign. Um, I started that uh, five years ago, but I'm also a, the executive director of the Chattanooga Youth Network, which serves youth leaders throughout the Chattanooga, North Georgia, Southeast region, um, coming alongside them, helping to coach, connect, coach, and care for youth leaders so that they can do uh, their jobs, what God's called them to do more effectively, and um, been able to do that for the last 25 years. Um, but I'm very excited to be with you today again for the second session. And uh, today we're going to be looking at this session is creating a culture of prayer in and around your ministry. Now, the, the other session was creating incredible intergenerational relationships rooted in prayer. Um, this one is we're looking at how do we create a whole culture of prayer in and around what's happening in, in your ministry. So, I mean, going back to one of the things we want to try to do when you're looking at a, a young person is that they have a constellation of people that are in their lives. They have their parents and family. They have youth workers. And they have friends in the church, friends outside the church. And then they have adult relationships in the church. And we're trying to um, maximize those with the Pray For Me campaign and helping every young person have the relationships they need to flourish in faith and life. Um, <clears throat> but... As we think about infusing prayer into the whole life of your ministry, you want to think about it in terms of uh, their constellation. So going back, they've got your parents, youth workers, friends in the church, outside the church, and uh, adult relationships. We want to resource that whole constellation, not just parts of the constellation. Some of those parts of the constellation, like the youth workers, we're, we're, we're resourcing you right now and, and helping you to realize, okay, here's ways that we can come alongside of young people and pray for them more effectively. But we also want to think about how can we help parents pray for their kids more effectively because we all know the research that what happens at home is a major determining factor on who they become. Um, obviously, God can, can overrule that. He's done that in my life. I did not come from a Christian family, and God overruled that and used a teacher to introduce me to the, the wonder and beauty of Jesus. And He does that with us and our youth workers and, and the volunteers that serve in our teams with the young people. Um, but we want to resource that whole piece. Um, Question for you. What are your most treasured truths about prayer? What are your most treasured truths about prayer? Another way that you could ask that question, I, I, the way I, I didn't want to ask it, because we have assumptions about prayer. But that, that, that is, many times the assumptions are negative. And I didn't want to get, negative is not where I want to be. I want us to be hopeful because prayer is a powerful piece of God's goodness to us as believers. So what are your most treasured truths about prayer? Share, share a couple. I know this is on the spot. Say again. Yeah, okay. Now, I should, have, I should have told you this before I did this. You did fine. You did fine. I can't hear when you talk. I, have, I do have a little hearing deficit, so if you raise your hand, at least I can see you, and then I, then I mostly can make that out. <laughs> 
But my wife, my wife left, so she can't realize how, how I just outed myself. Um, so did you, what did you say again? They're hurt. They're hurt. They, I, and you're, you're addressing my lack of hearing. Thank you very much. They're hurt. Our, our prayers are heard. What are some others? The, the, the fact that we know they're heard is it reflects God's a character quality of God, that He's attentive to our prayers. He's listening. What, other, what are some other treasured truths about prayer that you have? It changes things. God has ordained prayer to be one of his means of changing the world. Um, not independent of him, but because of him. Um, so, any others right off hand? And if you come up with something later, you can easily raise your hand and say, Hey, this, what about this? Because it's all goodness. Bring in goodness. They're not always answered in your time. Yes, that is true. They are not always answered in our timing and our way. Um, they are not. Um, but God still hears them. He's listening and He's attentive and He's always doing more than we are aware of when we pray and when God's, God's people are praying for different needs. He's always doing more. Here's one of mine. Prayer rests on the promises and character of God. The fact that, that you, remove, you remove prayer from the promises and character of God, then you're just having an, a cathartic experience. You're just able to, you're venting. Um, but root them in the promises and character of God, then that changes everything about prayer. The reason we have hope in prayer is because they're rooted in God's promises and His character. Now here, here's, here's a piece that's really, really important. If we didn't go any further and all we did was hover right here, this would be absolutely crucial for us to kind of let it soak into us. And there are magnificent promises God's given in His Word for us to go after that are rooted in His character. But what are some of those now? See, on my previous talk, it was mostly we, we, I shared with you and then you guys started bubbling over with, with questions. What I want to do now is I want to give you the questions sooner and I want to kind of start pulling from you uh, earlier in our time together. So what are some of the promises that God has placed in your heart that you, God is using so that you are encouraged and find hope when you go to prayer. And, what are, and then we're going to ask, just so you know where I'm going, then we're going to ask, what are some of the characteristics of God that give you confidence as you go to Him in prayer? <clears throat> Jeremy. Uh, that, he, that He promises, based on faith, righteousness is credited to me that when I approach God, I'm seen as righteous, even though I'm not. Right. We're coming on, on the basis of Jesus, His righteousness. Yeah, yeah. We belong, we become adopted as His sons and daughters. Yep. And we, and the full freedom. Yeah.
That's, that's good. That's, that's good. Jason, were you going to say something? Uh, he commands us to pray. I mean, Jesus openly said, in my name, come to me, pray. Yeah, that's, that's one of, that's, that's a command, but it's also a promise yeah. that, that, he's, that God's in this. And actually him commanding is like most of his commands, not most, all of his commands to us are for our good. The fact that he commands us to pray, he's saying, this is for your good, that you come to me and you depend upon me. Um, so what are, what are some of the characteristics of God that... that we can count on. As we think, he's faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He shows up. He shows up. Everything God does is good. Say again. Everything God does is good. He's good. His goodness emanates from him. He's going to do good, even if we don't understand that. What, how it, it, even if it doesn't make sense to us as we're trying to frame up what's happening around us. He, he knows the plan. He knows the master plan. Yeah, he does know the master plan, and um, so he's faithful. He's good. He's just. He's loving. Um, here's another way to look at it. Um, what are the fruit of the spirit? I mean, that's that. Those are his qualities. He wants to work that in us, but he's working it. He's working it. That's his. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And I probably missed one. But, um, but the, the fruit of the Spirit, that's the character of God that we can have confidence in when we come to God in prayer. And here's, here's the piece. Let's transfer this when we're thinking about infusing prayer in and around our ministries with our parents, with our students, with the, the adults in the church. I would encourage you to find, find the top 12. Let's just find 12 characteristics of God and 12 promises that you think are these are these are life-giving promises that if my students, if my students knew these 12 promises of God and they didn't know anything else about the, the grand scope of what God's doing, but they knew these 12 things, and a 12 because once one a month, that that you were able to kind of put before young people the, the promises of God each month, then basically what you're doing is you're giving them handholds that you can use to pray and that you, as you're discipling them either from front or one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, you're constantly putting that promise of God, but it's rooted in His character. So you're giving them a picture of who God is, which is absolutely crucial. Uh, one of the greatest promises, John chapter 14, uh, Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Yeah. There, God, God is attentive to prayers for a, a, some key reasons. One is that God's going to get glory when He answers your prayer for His working in the world. Amen. And that is a beautiful piece. 2 Corinthians 1.11 gets at this very same thing. It, I'll look up that in a second. But um, that Psalm, 2 Corinthians 1.11, powerful verse that gets at that he's, Paul's asking, I need you to pray for us. We need your help by your prayers. 
and I'm, I'm going to start paraphrasing here, that so that many will give thanks to God for what you have done, what He has done through your prayers. There's something powerful that's taking place. Ultimately, God's going to get glory. Gets back to what was said just a second ago. And give, we were going to get thanks is, is going to go to Him. All praise and honor is going to go to God because you've given help to someone by your prayers and then everybody rejoices because of what God's done in answer to the prayers. It's, it's, a, it's a complex sentence, but it's, it gets at pointing to the wonder and greatness of God. But there's something real... The basic piece there that I, I get stunned by is that Paul says, we need your help. We need you to help us by your prayers. Not sending money, not, do, not coming to visit us, not doing these. We need your help by your prayers. There's something about that... His, his belief in the power of prayer is different than mine most of the time. I mean, he is, he's saying, I need you to help us by your prayers. Many times I want somebody to step up physically, um, but, but he's talking about it a little bit differently and thinking about it. That's the way I want to be more of. I want to be more that way. I face in that direction, but I need to move in that direction more to, to really believe that I need you to pray for this need in a and that's, that's the help that I need so that God gets glory, people give praise, and everybody's in, in enjoying God because of what He's doing. So, every promise, I love this, every promise of God shouts, Trust me! Trust me! Just trust me! It's, he's, he's shouting it to us. And it's just like us throwing our kids up in the air. Um, they love it. Do it again, Dad. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. God is telling us, call on me again. Call on me again. Call on me again. I'll take care of you. I'll be in this with you. Um, I'm going to do a timeout here, sort of. Um, I think it's important for you to, to kind of get a glimpse into my world just for a little bit and realize what's, what God's done to shape me in, in thinking about prayer. Um, you know, if you had asked me 25 years ago, hey, Tony, what do you think God's going to do in your life and, um, and how, you know, where, where are you going to be able to make a difference? It would have not been in prayer. It would have not be, that would not have been the place that I would have said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to drill down in this, this, this beautiful gift of God that's unparalleled in His, His goodness to us called prayer. Um, Almost 34 years ago, I stood in front of my wife, her hazel green eyes staring back at me, and I said, for, uh, made my vows to her that for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, sickness and health, that I was in. What I didn't know, I, would just, what you should know, is I was totally banking on the better. <laughs> Maybe not the richer, but not poorer. Um, and in health, not sickness. And God had a different plan. Um, Two-thirds of our married life, she's had chronic health challenges. Um, Twelve years of that, she was mostly bedridden um, with her thinking ability going away, her memory going away. It's basically you're kind of a, caring for an Alzheimer's patient that doesn't have Alzheimer's. And what that does is that puts you in a place that you, you, you have to go, to go to God differently than you did before. And so, so learning how to pray uh, and more diligently, more tenaciously, more committedly, more um, desperately, 
um, when there's, and I'm not kidding, there's thousands of nights in that period of time, and that's not an exaggeration, thousands of nights where there's weeping and going to bed because the pain levels, because it started with headaches and went to muscle pain, bone pain, number of surgeries, and you're basically the pain's so difficult that the pain medication they're giving you doesn't work. And you can't go to the ER because they don't have anything for you. And so, um, so you're weeping at night and hoping that God shows up so that you can get through. Now, what I know is this. We talk about that even though God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you think that you want Him to answer your prayer, that God was in that whole time. He never abandoned us. Now, was it hard? Absolutely. You have no idea how hard it was. And I say was because three years ago, God did this miraculous thing and He just turned the dial a little bit and He without any new medications, new doctors, no new anything, he just started making my wife better. And now her memory's back, her thinking ability's back, she's, able, she's here with me. Um, and it's totally, like most time people are in her presence and they don't know that they're in the presence of a, a miracle. That God showed up and is, and is doing things still. The, the verse that says, um, you're, he gives new mercies every morning, um, that and you're, he gives enough mercies for each new day. Um, the reality is, is that my thought about that originally was that the new mercies were going to be healing mercies. And, and really what his mercies were, were sustaining mercies. Now, we were praying for healing mercies. Don't get me wrong. We were, we were all in for healing mercies. And, and we we're so thankful that today... I have my wife back when I never thought I would have my wife back and be able to have conversations and be on a trip and look at the Rocky Mountains when never thought that would be, happen again. Um, that's all gifts. But that, that and I'm, I'm trying to make like a pressurized, like a vice type set of hand gestures here that God's just kind of pressing in. And, but in His goodness, He's pressing in because today my wife and I love each other more than we ever have loved each other. Um, he's given us the sustaining mercies to taste Him differently than we would have ever tasted. See, because before she got sick, I thought I was walking with God. And I was walking with God, but it was a coasting walking with God. It wasn't like the kind that's forged in fire that He talks about, for the, the faith that we were going to have, that it's forged in fire. And He's... But he's still doing it. He's, nobody's arrived. Don't look at anybody. Don't look up here and think that there's an arrival. This is directional. This is we're we're moving towards God and we're trying to depend upon God. What I do believe about trusting God today, about, different than what I did 15 years, five years ago, 20 years ago, is that God is enough, enough, and He is in the hardest of places. And if we don't know how to help our students understand that he's in the hardest of places, then they'll bail when it gets hard. And we, you may have heard the, the, the information of uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. That be, basically means that I'm, I'm, in, I'm in on God's team as long as God's team makes me feel like he's on my team. But if all of a sudden I start feeling like he's on my team because it's hard, um, then, he, then I'm not in. I'm, I'm, I'm bolting. Now, one of the things I do know is that God is shaping every hard thing, just as, just as Meg shared earlier, 
God is always doing more than what we see. He's always doing more. And He's working in numbers of students' lives that are wrapped around the tragedies that they've, they've been able to walk through with the students. But they're seeing what it looks like to follow Jesus in hard places. And that's different than what the world has to offer. Anybody can praise Jesus on vacation if it's a good vacation. If it's a hard vacation, they start complaining. That's why I think it's a powerful piece in regards to prayer that, that God says that do all things without grumbling and disputing. For in this you, show, you so prove yourself to be children of God. There's something about walking with God in hard things and not being just like everybody else in complaining and grumbling. And, and when you're not that and doing the opposite, which God says, give all, in all things give thanks for this is the will of God. It's the kind of the balancing piece there. That when we're giving thanks to God in the hardest of situations, not for that hard, ugly thing that happened or is happening, but that He is worthy and He is trustworthy, then what happens is that the world looks on and says there's something different there. There's something different. And that is absolutely crucial for us to have do... That's just crucial to take place as we serve students and as we walk and try to infuse prayer into the ministry. So, one of the promise I love is Psalm 5015, And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Um, this is a great promise because he says, call upon me. He's got his command, as Jason was saying, call upon me in your day of trouble. The reality is that every day is a day of trouble. We have to call upon the Lord every day. And he says, I will deliver you. I'll show up. I'll be there. And, and then what will happen is that you will glorify me. It gives us this cycle that your trouble, call upon him, deliverance, praise, glory. Um, there's a cycle of what's happening. Um, as we're working with students, uh, one of the things that makes me want to infuse prayer in, in and through the, out the ministry is that there will always be trouble. And there will be stumbling. And they will, they will even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, hope is the, the, the thing that carries hope is prayer. There, the, you can't pray. If, okay, let me, let me say it this way. How do you show your hope in God? There's, 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 there's multiple ways. There's not just one answer. Just say, just say no. It's not it's like, a, if I don't say prayer, I'm going to say the wrong thing. That's, <laughs> that's not it. But prayer is a key component of how we express hope. Because what you're doing in prayer is calling out to the one who we're hoping in. So hope is, is carried along many, many, many times by our prayer. And so for those that hope in the Lord, those who pray... She will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as e like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. It's a key component. Here's, here's a couple things. What time is it? Let me... Uh, okay. Um, I love this C.S. Lewis quote because it kind of captures kind of how we approach the Christian life many times. Not just the students, but adults as well. That... It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We settle. This is what I know. And so, for instance, one of the things that we have to do when we're working with students is expand their view of who God is. Um, I love this passage from Psalm 78. Um, we will not hide them from their, their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders He has done. There's something about putting before young people, putting before ourselves, the greatness of God. And if we see the greatness of God more clearly, what happens is our hearts can rally behind that and trust and hope that He will show up. If I don't have a very big picture of who God is, then many times I'm, there's no reason for me to go to God in prayer. I, I go to God in prayer because I think He can do something about it. But if I don't believe He can do something about it, like, like his, He's... We've got a too small of a view of God that we're settling for what we see, not for what we, what's reality and who God is. So part of what we need to do is go back to kind of where we're saying putting before our students promises and the character of God. Another way of saying is making sure that we're putting a big enough view of God in before our students so that they will have confidence that going to God in prayer matters. Here's the thing. Many of us, or let's, let's say it's not us, it's not us. Many of the people in our churches, other people, um, go through the motions when it comes to prayer. We pray because we're supposed to pray. We're commanded to pray, so we do pray. Not because we really believe that God wants us to be in this because He's going to meet us here and help sustain us so that we can follow Him in hard places and help other people follow Him in hard places. Um, putting a big view in front of our students is huge. And so I'm, I'm, there's this, there's a, I'm, I keep coming back to it because I think that's a core component of how we infuse prayer because many times young people aren't seeing people pray passionately and, or pray and so, if they don't see people pray, then they don't know how to pray. His disciples needed them to, needed them to, him to teach them how to pray, even though he's they're seeing him pray. But they saw him pray, and they said he prays different than when we pray. Help us to know how to pray like you pray. So, what I want to introduce you, I want to introduce you this, this concept of see, save, or share. Um, this is. I introduced you to kind of, kind of the piece of my own personal walk with God that, that before the, the struggle in my wife's health hit, um, I was coasting in my Christian life but didn't know I was coasting in my Christian life. I was, I was doing ministry. I was, thought that this, I was thinking about truth about God and in the way that I needed to. But in reality, um, when the hard thing hit and it wasn't going away, because many times the hard thing can hit, and if it goes away, okay, I'm, I'm better now. And I didn't have to change that much. But this didn't go away. And I remember two years into her, the, the chronic headaches and the pain, I was thinking, surely this has got to go away. All the things like this go away. And that was 20 years ago. It didn't go away. 
And so it made me have to start walking with God differently. And what I'm introducing to you here is something that God has used in my own life to help me to sustain um, walking with Him and to fuel walking with Him. But, and it's not divorced from walking with Him. When I use the term walking with Him, I'm, prayer is what I'm talking about, really. Because, as I mentioned before, prayer is the most basic aspect of the Christian life. If we're not praying well, we're not walking with God well. So when I say my walk with the Lord, I'm talking about how I'm prayer. Prayer is a key component of that. It's bolstering how I walk with God. So, see, savor, share, greatness of God in the center. It's a cycle. Um, this is kind of what it looks like. There's another picture, see, savor, share. Um, but here's, here's what I want you to see. That when it, was the, when it was early stages and it was dark with, in my wife's health, um, I realized that I need to see God's greatness to sustain me because this isn't changing. And because it's not changing, I need to figure out how to walk with God differently than I had before. And so, so what became, I became a hunter. I became a hunter for the greatness of God. Where can I see the greatness of God in... And I can see it in three places. I can see it in Scripture. That's God, God, I know that because God tells me. I can see it in Scripture. I can see it in creation. Because I know that because Scripture tells us I can see it in creation. I can see it in, in my life. God's invading my life all the time. So I can see God's greatness in three places. Um, in the scriptures, I can see it um, when I open the book. Goodness is here. There's goodness here. That God is God's greatness is here. And so when I do time with God, I'm I'm not just reading a passage. I'm asking what as, aspects of God's greatness do I see in this passage? Because I needed to be sustained. It wasn't it wasn't just a um, a way of life that I was doing. It wasn't, Christianity was not just a way of life. I needed survival. And what God was doing, He was pushing me into the place where this is, where life is. Life, God doesn't want it just to be a way of life. He wants us to long for Him like a, a, a deer pants for the water brook. That He is life itself. And so when I look at Scripture now, I'm looking at it, I'm saying, where is the greatness of God? And so am I seeing this in this passage? What aspect am I seeing of Him? And how can that sustain me? So I'm looking at that. I see it. Then what do I do? I savor that. I let it sit on the taste buds of my soul, my heart, so that I can take in as much of God's goodness from His greatness that He's allowed me to see so that I can be nourished. And then what happens is when I'm with Jeremy, when I see him at next year's GA, every once a year, I see a G, Jeremy. So um, when I see Jeremy next year, I can say, hey, Jeremy, where have you seen the greatness of God? And he says, oh, this is the way I've seen the greatness of God. And he asks me, and I have a story that I can share, hundreds of stories that I can share. And then what happens is that when I share it, God sustains me and him in the process. And I know that from, from Philemon 6. I pray that you will continue sharing your faith so you may have a full understanding of all that you have in Jesus. The implication is, is that if you don't share your faith, and what, what I think he's talking about there is not just sharing your faith as in 
the package, the gospel, I think he's saying, where, where are you seeing the greatness of God? Where are you seeing, where's God showing up in your life? Tell me about where, you're, where God's showing up in your life. And so, so he, I share it, and what happens, the implication, if I don't share it, then I doubt all that God has done for me in Jesus. But if I share it, what happens is I'm reminded that God is great and a stake is driven in the ground and I'm fortified, but also Jeremy's fortified. So that simple question, if you want to fortify one another, then you ask, where are you seeing God work in your life? Or where are you seeing God work in uh, the greatness of God in Scripture? Where are you seeing the greatness of God in creation? Well, you just walk outside and look at the Rockies. This is easy. This is, this is low-hanging fruit here <laughs> in, in Colorado. So, so, but you do that for the, each one of these. Not just the scriptures, but when you pick up the Bible, it changes. You're looking for the greatness of God. It's not like it's hiding, but here's the one thing. Sometimes you'll look and you'll say, I'm not seeing the greatness of God. Then what you do, then what your primary prayer is at that moment, is asking God to give you eyes to see that you can see His greatness. Because if you're not seeing it, it's not because it's not there. It's because we're blinded and there's something that's, that's, that's blinding us to the greatness of God in, in Scripture, in life, or in creation, and we're not seeing it. And we don't want to be blinded. We want God to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand so that we can soak in all that He has and all that He is for us and, and who He is personally. So... So seeing the greatness of God and then savoring it for all it's worth. That, that's in giving thanks, praising, and that's, that's a prayer piece. That's not just, that's, 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 this, this here is prayer. That looks like prayer. But this is prayer too. Praise is, one, is the Psalms, and the Psalms are a book of prayer. I mean, we're, when we're worshiping and we're praising the Lord... It is our hearts utter to God. It's prayer. So this savoring is a key component there. So you're seeing it, you're savoring it, and then you're sharing it, which I already just talked about from that passage. If you want to see another place where it talks about, besides Philemon 6, is 1 John 1, I think it's 3, um, they were saying, we've seen, we've tasted, we, we've kind of experienced Jesus, but we're writing these things to, so that our jo- to you so that our joy will be complete. There's something about it uh, that when we do the last thing, when we share, that God changes us. That, Jeremy. The way I've heard that said is grief shared is half grief, joy shared is joy doubled. So uh, I share my grief, you burden that with me. Yeah. And when I share my joy, it's multiplied. It's the same Very good. Of, of sharing. Very good. So, so, so this see, save, or share process um, is, is absolutely crucial. So you're, you're going to see the greatness of God in Scripture, life, and creation. God's going to work in your life. He's going to invade your life. He's going to give you eyes to see. You're going to savor that, and you're going to share that with other people. But you're going to share stories of answered prayer. There's something about when you share with your students, with your parents that are of your students, with the other adults in your church, that's when prayer is being infused into the overall ministry, when 
there's prayer taking place, but then when the answers take place, we share those. If we don't share those, then people can't rejoice. The, the 2 Corinthians 1.11 doesn't take place. If Paul asked for the Corinthians to pray for him, and then, when, and then they prayed to God for him, and then God answered his, their prayers, but if Paul didn't come back over here and say, hey, look what God did, then there would no, not be this many people giving thanks to the goodness of God because of what he done. Because if we didn't, we come back and share the stories. We have to share the stories to infuse prayer as a viable thing, not just to our students, but it's a reminder to us, it's a reminder to their, their parents, the whole church needs to know that God is in this. Uh, this, is just, this is something that, if you, you guys have seen these books before? These are very helpful. These two here, all of them are, th are very, they're short stories. Um, but like this one comes from, it gives stories from history of God working in people's lives through certain verses. So say you, say you run out of stories for one day. You may. So you pick that book up. You pick up the day that it's, you're going to talk to your students. It may be a, a zoned in and you're able to share a story of how God used a verse um, to transform a life. And then, and then just historically on these, this day, this one talks about God showing up on certain days. Some of it you know, is just hard stuff. Martyrs taking place, stuff like that. But, but it's giving you and your students a different sense of what, that God's active and working in our ministries. Um, modeling prayer. Every time we pray in front of students or with students, we're modeling it. And that's how they're going to pray. That's what, you know, one of the reasons uh, when we first started the Pray For Me campaign, we did not, um, we only had the, the youth book. The youth book is the brown book that was on the table. Um, that's praying for middle school through college. Um, and then almost immediately after we launched those eight test churches, we got children's ministers saying, it's great you're doing this with teenagers, but we really need to start younger. And so, and then, so we rewrote that, added a, um, a chapter on giving blessings to your children and grandchildren. But then we realized, wait a second, students like the fact that they're getting adults praying for them, but they really don't have a sense of what they're praying. And so we said... We need to come alongside students and help them with the most basic aspect of the Christian life too and help students pray not just for themselves but for their peers too. So it becomes a missional thing um, which was a key component of what helps them stay the course as well in their faith. So modeling prayer. So the Sea Saver Share cycle is a key component um, and I would offer, I'm, I'm thinking back to Andy's, May, yeah I think it was Andy's se seminar earlier that he talked about um, parents are kind of kind of a, a linchpin of of investing in young people in their children, but um, and a lot of times they don't know what to do. I would I would encourage to you could take this simple simple cycle and start using that as a way of helping your students in small groups. You could easily make it part of prayer in your small groups. Where have you seen the greatness of God this week in Scripture, life, or creation? You savor it together in prayer, and then they, they share. They share that with you. And then next week, you go, they go out. They're engaging with their friends. They're praying for their friends. And they come back. Where have you seen the greatness of God? And so what happens is that there's, they're being bolstered all the, all the time. But you can also do that 
encourage parents to do the same thing because you're trying to infuse prayer, but prayer is only infused where people feel dependent. Proud people don't pray. They can do it on their own. Why should I pray if I can do it on my own? And so what we're trying to show is that we're all needy and, we're, and this is a way of looking for what God's doing in our lives. And when we see it, we're able to give thanks in prayer. We're able to, and if we see hard things and we wear places where we want to see God's greatness to bear on it, then we can pray for God's greatness to show up in those hard places. And then when we see it, we're able to savor that and give thanks for that and then share it with one another and everybody's bolstered. And then infusion of prayer and hope and joy in the greatness of God is taking place. I can't help but put this in here. I, I believe that giving blessings to our children is one of the most important things that we can do as parents. If you're, if you're not a parent in here, I'm not talking to you right now, but if you are a parent, it is one of the most important things you can do to, to your children, um, to give them a blessing. Before my children were born, I read a book called The Family Blessing by Rolf Garborg, which is a, say that five times fast. Um, but he does a masterful job. You may have already, you may be familiar with Gary Smalley and John Trent's book called The Blessing. Um, both of those are really good books. Um, the Family Blessing is a little bit easier to read, more stories, stuff like that. But I remember reading in there that he would tell the story of his, his 17 and 18 year old children saying that they're ready for their blessings before they go to bed. And I'm thinking, and this is before my twins were born. And I'm thinking, I want that for my girls. And so, so we read that and we start, I start giving them blessings on my wife's stomach before they're born. Almost every day of their life they've been blessed. Um, and, and what happened when they got in the teenage years, they would come. they say, hey dad, I'm ready to go to bed, ready for my blessing. And that was absolutely phenomenal. So here's, here's, here's another thing. My dad, not a believer. He loves my daughters. He loved my daughters. He's passed away since. Um, but he would, we were at his house. They were probably three years old. My daughter, Abby, who mumbled a lot at that time. Um, she's a teacher now, speaks very clearly. Uh, but she walks up to my dad. He's, and he, she's mumbling something to him. I see is, what does she want? I think, I think she wants to give you a blessing, dad. Just lean over and she'll take care of the rest. So, so I'm sitting here. I can still see him leaning over on this bar stool and this little chubby little girl reaches up, puts her hand on his head. Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Give you peace, joy, hope, and love. In Jesus' name, amen. And she off to bed. But I didn't teach her to give blessings to him. She, this is the, that was the rhythm of our life that we, we give blessings. And, and that was transformative. Um, you, can, you can buy a lot of things with MasterCard. You can't buy that. And then another time, I was dropping them off to college, their second year. My daughter, Bethany, runs out to the car. I'm getting ready to pull away from their college in Mississippi. She reaches through the window, puts her hand on my head, and gives me a blessing. And you can tell, I, tears start welling up. And I'm sitting here, I can't manufacture this. This is God knitting our hearts together over a long period of time. Now, so, so that's a definitely a family thing. But it can also be a church thing. There's kids that are in your ministries that have never been blessed. They come from very hard families or even good families, but they've, they've never had their parents verbally express 
delight in them and give them favorable touch in a way that, that says, I'm for you. And I want God to be for you. And so I know there's, there's a ministry, it's a church here that's in my town that gives, they, they, each year they do a thing where they have a time where they do family blessings. And they're teaching their parents how to give blessings to their teenage kids. And some of them, it's the first time it's ever been done. And it's, it can be a powerful time. But, but you can also do it as a church. The, when a family doesn't have the wherewithal to, be a, to give blessings because they don't, they don't know Jesus. But you can actually be that for those kids. It doesn't have to look like this. It can look like the, one of the first, first pictures I had where we want to create the constellation where the, they have this group of people around that young lady and, and praying for her. It can be that way too. So we've, we've, okay, we've got a few more minutes and I'm just going to b- blow through a couple things here. Well, we know there's all kinds of types of prayer that we can pray. We've got this. There, I do want to point you to a couple resources that are pretty powerful. Um, Kurt Bjorklund, this book, Prayers for Today, he has 10 different aspects of prayer. Um, if, this book is phenomenal. If you want a compilation, it's called um, Prayers for Today, Kirk Kurt Bjorklund, say that five times fast. So B J O R K L U N D. Um, but he'll there's ten different pl- ways of praying, like intercession, wisdom, guidance, um, renewal, transformation, surrender, confession, affirmation, um, and petition. But each day has all kinds of resources. He's pulled from all over the place. Other passages, but other historical prayers um, from historical figures. But, but it's, it's like this wealth of goodness that you can just hover over and soak in. That's a great one. Um, the, I did not bring it to, to let you look at it. It's one of my favorite, new favorite books. Um, and because, because of lament. Lament in the Bible is a, uh, a key component of how we offer a prayer to God because it's obviously lament is when you're hurting and it's hard and, it's, and you don't know what to do. But lament is not hopeless. Lament is something that pulls you, um, it drives you to God in a, in a, in a powerful and profound way. Um, actually, the... Uh, this book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, is my new favorite book because he, Mark Vrogop, I'm, I'm trying to get as many hard names to say, and, and so I can say, do that, say that name five times fast. Um, Mark Vrogop is, has done a masterful job, a masterful job of, of showing how lament brings us and God uses lament to pull us into his presence in a powerful scripture saturated way. Matter of fact, my, my wife has been working on, uh, we've, we read the, probably half the book together and then she finished it out and she's kind of compiling quotes. So we actually, we could send you that, the list of quotes we have up to now if you want that. Um, uh, but you need to let us know or let, let uh, Meg know and we can make sure it gets included but I wanted to make sure you knew about this because you will have people in your congregation that will hurt you will hurt and if you don't have a good theology of of suffering 
which this is a one tool, not, it's not the only tool, it's one tool to help you to get into how to pray in hardship, then, then you're not going to know how to help those people that are around you that, that don't even have words. That it's so hard. It's unutterable. And it feels like it's not going to go away. But it, it can. And so I'm going to close out right here. Um, and, and what I'm going to do is, I, if, is any, any immediate questions, if there's not any immediate questions, then we'll do, it feels like there's not going to be any immediate questions the way we've kind of done this part. Um, and that way we can make the transition. The next group can come up and do the thing, but I can answer any questions on the side. Let me uh, close this in prayer and thank you for your attentiveness. Father, thank you for your great goodness to us. We trust you with our lives. Help us to trust you more. Give us a sense of seeing your greatness in Scripture, life, and creation, savoring you and your worth for, for all that you're worth, and then sharing what we've seen and savored with those around us. By your grace and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.